Welcome to Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale. We're talking about the stories we tell ourselves, the mindsets, myths, and misinformation that can hold us back, and then turning our focus to action steps that bring about success mastery in business and life. The goals are to define success on our own terms and to master that success without excuses or apologies. Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's episode of Mindset Meets Mastery. Think about all the relationships you have in your life. There are so many forms of relationships, parent, child, husband, wife, employer, employee, caregiver, maybe. And then there's those friendships. And friendships can be kind of tricky to navigate. Some of them will come and go during different stages of our lives. And they may leave leave us feeling, I don't know, maybe sad at the loss of those relationships, or maybe relieved because that person has moved on. There's a variety of feelings that come with having and maintaining relationships. You know, and if you're alive, you know that any relationship can be difficult. But these relationships keep us connected. And I'll only speak for me. When I say that my relationships help keep me sane, they help keep me focused and productive. My relationships keep me grounded in the positive and the possible. I've got friends who hold me accountable to the goals that I set for myself. And if it weren't for these friends, I might not have ever written my first book. And now I've got 10 of them. So these relationships are very, very important. Today, though, I want to talk to a specific group of people. So all of you lady listeners, tune in. This is for you. And all of the men who love a lady or are raising a young girl, this is for you. Our world teaches us that connection with women can be complicated, right? And so whether you're another woman or whether you're a man that has women in their lives, we see that these kinds of relationships can be difficult. For example, did you know that, or did, have you ever heard someone say, well, girls are mean, women are petty, women are blank, insert your own negative label here, right? We've all heard these things. Well, and maybe in your case, some of these things have been true, your experiences have supported these feelings but can we change the way that we interact with each other can we change the things in ourselves that allow us to make better and deeper connections because I know sadly in my own life I have to confess that I have said some of these things about girls and other women but imagine this how different or better Happier would our world be if women didn't say negative things about each other, that we didn't treat each other as competitors or as enemies. What if our girls, the the young ladies that we're raising, learned early on in their lives to support each other and bring out the best in each other as a way of living every day? 
you know, I say that and I hear myself say that and I wonder, is this just a fantasy world that I've created in my mind? Or is it really possible for women to develop positive and powerful relationships for a lifetime with other women? Can we all make a mindset shift that can help us to assemble the tribe of women for mutual gain and respect? That's my hope. And sometimes I feel alone in that. And I have tons of questions about relationships and connections between people in general, but specifically today about women. Luckily for me and for everybody else who's listening, I have an expert who has tons of answers to my questions. So let me real quick introduce my expert today. Leah J.M. Dean is a tribe formation expert. Her expertise comes from decades of leadership in human resources and as a leadership strategist. Leah's professional and personal vision is to create a more connected world and inspire positive change. And as such, she is a confidence and mindset coach. Leah Dean has created a simple but very powerful formula for building a tribe that stands the test of time. In her soon-to-be-released book, Assemble the Tribe, Leah shares this formula she's created and shows us how to shift to a tribe mindset by first discovering the value that we bring to every connection we make. Leah works to shift our mindsets and helps us to navigate our personal and professional relationships differently from the divisiveness of tribalism and cliques to the connection that a tribe mindset can bring. It's time to unlock the tribe the tribe building formula of believe, belong, be different, and live life in a whole new way. Wow. Is it really possible for us to do that? Hi, Leah. How are you? Hey, Arlene. I'm, I'm fine. How are you today? I am great. So are all these things really possible for us? I believe they are absolutely possible. Well, otherwise you wouldn't have written the book, right? Or absolutely tell me why not. you wrote the book. <laughs> why did you write the book? Well, there's a little bit of a story there about this book, because everyone says, you know, this is a dream. How do you feel? But what's really interesting about this book is I never really intended to write it. Um, I I produce women and event. I produce events for women and girls. And just over two years ago, I was finishing up our second large scale um, event And, you know, the team came over and we were talking about it and we were excited and we were up until about 2 a.m. in the morning. And then for some reason at 5 a.m., like I was just I was up. And, you know, for for those of my friends that are really close, they know that I'm a morning girl, but it's more like a seven o'clock morning girl, not a 5 a.m. morning girl. So I was really, really frustrated. But something just kept saying, you know, go sit down at your computer, go sit down at your computer And I resisted probably for a good 30, 40 minutes. But finally, I went and I sat down at the computer. I didn't really know why. And then I just started to type. And an hour later, I had the outline for Assemble the Tribe. Now, it's kind of evolved a little bit, but I would say it's probably 90% exactly what I wrote on that first day when I woke up at 5 a.m., in the morning. So in that way, I think that part of the book is really like divinely inspired. It just did not come for me. I I felt like I'm supposed to write the book. 
But if you ask me, you know, why do I think this book is so important right now? Like I had no idea that I would be launching a book about relationships, about tribes right in the middle of a pandemic with everything that has happened all across the world. And so I really think if I had to distill it down, there are really three reasons why I think this book is so important right now. Mm-hmm. And the first reason it's really about relationships, right? We need our relationships more than ever right now. You know, whether you have experienced, um, you know, the pandemic personally, or you have, or you've lost a loved one, or perhaps you know, you're struggling to um, recover from one of the natural disasters that we've experienced across the world. There are just so many reasons why we need people to help us heal. And so I think at this point in the world's history, when the pandemic is pushing us inside and further apart, Mm. we need to really think about our relationships differently. So that's kind of the first reason. I really think relationships matter. The second reason is rejection. Like, you know, all nobody likes rejection, nobody loves it. (laughs) But yet we've all experienced it in some shape or form, whether it was on the playground when we were children, or in in our work environment or in a personal relationship. You know, we've seen different types of rejection come up during 2020, in various um, communities. Rejection is hurtful, it's painful. And so the question is, how do we recover from that? How do we move forward? And how do we redefine what connection truly means? So I think this book really helps us delve into how to navigate rejection. And then the third reason, you know, and I took a little bit of flack around this from my brother and my husband's like, why are you writing this book for women? That's what they're for. (laughs) That's what brothers and husbands are for is to give us flack. So you're normal. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. So they were like tribes. I need a tribe. Why are you writing this book for women? Um, You know, I have a a 12 year old daughter. She'll be a teenager next month. And in my proprietary research that I did with 1200 women, it really kind of help to crystallize for me how important this female dynamic is. And I think the world relies on women in a way that is not better. It's just different. Different. You know, where the mothers, where the nurturers, um, navigating that whole work-life balance thing is is a little bit different for us as mothers. Mm -hmm. And so I think because of that reliance, Um, We need to have our own conversation about relationships. And I think that because of the the way that we show up, you know, we're 50% of the world's population. And because of our roles, if there's a conversation that we need to have about relationships, who better than to have that conversation than women? So I think there's a kind of my three reasons, right? Relationships, rejection, and reliance. We We need to talk about tribes right now. Okay, so you keep using the word tribe. And so I want you, I want to step back and say, define the word tribe as you use it in your book, because, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, I love words. I'm a writer, so I love words, but I, I have all these different definitions kind of rolling around in my head. But for you, what does tribe mean? Yeah, so for me, uh, and, I, and to kind of give you my definition, which I will, I wrote myself, haha. <laughs> You know, I'm a writer. I'll just make up my own definition. Um, But I went back and I studied kind of the history of the word, how it's used both in in the historical context 
and the modern context, right? You go onto Google and you Google the word tribe, it comes up in relation to all kinds of things. And, you know, to be honest, I took a lot of flack from some friends of mine, like, why are you using this word? It's one that's actually quite charged, right? Mm -hmm. In today's society. But as I kind of peeled back all the layers of how the word's been used, some social scientists say use it, others say throw it out. What I loved about the word tribe in the end is the complexity of what it means to different people. And so if you think about who we are as humans and this whole idea of how we come together, we are individually complex. And so that's what makes the word for me very beautiful. And so I define a tribe as individually complex people with shared values, beliefs, who choose to come together in various ways to create relationship. And because we're all individually complex, I think the word tribe is perfect. Well, and when you say it that way, then yeah, I think I think it is. But, you know, just in the use of the word tribe, you're creating a mindset shift. Am, am I hearing you right? You are absolutely hearing hearing me right. So I believe and I and I share kind of the, the my thoughts in the book is that at its highest level, tribe is not a group like that's the biggest learning for me. When I started writing the book, I thought I was writing a book about how to find your girlfriend groups, right? I have a group of friends. We've been meeting together for nearly 20 years. Once a month, we get together, rain, blow, or shine. And I thought, this is beautiful, right? We've done, you know, we've had kids. We've seen marriages. We've dealt with illnesses. We've seen deaths. I want every woman to have that. And so when I first started writing the book, that's what I thought I was writing about, right? Mm -hmm. A tribe is just a group. But what I found is in order to really navigate our relationships, and we need different types of relationships to kind of complete us um, in in different circumstances, right? There's your work relationships. There's the relationships you have at home. There's different stages. And we'll, you know, we can talk about that some more later, but in order to navigate them successfully, you really have to have a mindset that says every single day, I'm going to choose to show up in a way that helps to enable healthy relationships. And that is mindset. It is not, it doesn't happen by accident. It's, you know, when we, when you think about all of the negative things that are said around women, we have to shift our mindset and choose to say, I'm not going to give into that today. I'm going to think positive or I'm going to have the conversation to get rid of kind of the discomfort that I'm feeling, but it is definitely a mind shift. Okay. So you did bring up the different types of tribes. Can you give us, give us an explanation of what, what you mean when you say different types of tribes, how does that play out in our lives? So, Again, one of the one of the things that I had to grapple with in the process of writing the book is, well, if a tribe is not just a group, then what is it? Right. And I go through great lengths to kind of pull apart the definition and help you understand it um, in the book. But not only are our one on one relationships, the people that we connect with part of our tribes. But when we then start to find groups, we can have different types of groups that make up our tribes as well. So, for example, when my kids were really young, 
there was a group of people that I traveled with because we were doing, you know, the mommy, mommy thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes those relationships move on. Then there are the friends that you've had that you don't even remember where they came from. They just kind of showed up and they fit and it's very organic. Then you have professional, um, you can have formal. There's also a tribe that I stumbled across, which I call it a resistant group, which is, you know, maybe we've suffered some kind of loss. So for example, I mean, that one's a little complicated. So I'll just give you an example. During COVID, what I found was because we were inside, I wasn't able to connect with my friends. And some of my friends that were single, you know, and they were kind of locked in their house on their own, they Mm -hmm. really were feeling the pain of that separation. Yeah. And so what I did was I created an event. It's called Assemble the Tribe for Tea. And we would literally get, I think I had as many as 73 women on a call one night. And we would literally grab a cup of tea and we would talk about a topic that the group said they wanted to talk about that evening. And so in that way, it was almost a creation of a resistant tribe. We came together because of a common pain, um, but that's really what brought us together and has kept us together for the better part of 2020. So there are lots of different places where we can find and create tribes. And, you know, I I really share those differences in the book, not to complicate things, but to maybe just kind of illuminate that there's a different way to think about the different types of relationships that we find ourselves in. Well, and I like that group that you just described, because we find ourselves sometimes in unwanted, unplanned for negative experiences or stages in our life let's say for example divorce or death of a loved one or dealing with cancer or alzheimer's some of these health issues so those are not necessarily the times that people think about the value of reaching out and connecting with other people but it seems to me now that i think about it when you bring it up that that makes absolute sense to surround yourself with the people that know what you're going through absolutely Absolutely. You already have that common connection. So why not leverage it for the benefit of, of the group? Absolutely. And, and I've got to say that your Assemble the Tribe for Tea has been such a huge inspiration for me. It was such brilliance because what that did, you know, I, I have a family at home. I had a son at home. I had a husband at home. Um, I live on 10 acres so I can get out and get some fresh air. But still, I was feeling really isolated and really trapped and your assemble the tribe for tea helped me talk to and listen to people from all over the world. I mean, I'm, I'm down here in Texas. Yeah. And you're in Bermuda and we talked to people what from Pennsylvania and California and I mean, all over the country, maybe the world. And just knowing that I wasn't alone in some of the feelings I had connecting with your tribe for tea, your assemble the tribe for tea was so powerful for me. So thank you for doing that, but also for being an inspiration because by taking that idea, I've reconnected with a bunch of other groups that we hadn't necessarily been in touch with for a long time, but we're all sitting at home drinking tea or sangria or something. And why not? Right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. Why not? So you said something that 
when we're talking about the different purposes or the different tribes that are in our lives, when is it necessary sometimes to look at something, look at a tribe, look at a relationship or a connection and say, something's wrong here. Is it me? Is it no longer serving my purpose or how tribes are not always going to stay with us forever, right? And absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that I share, you know, if you have a life stage tribe, a group that came together before, like when your kids were young, it's a possibility that as your kids age, that tribe may just move on. Or perhaps you had a professional tribe that you were part of for an important moment in your career, and that tribe moves on for various reasons. So I think we should all expect that our relationships will change over time, and that's normal. And then we have to decide, if it's shifting and changing, do I need to have a conversation or create um, the space for it to continue, but that has to be an intentional decision. Sometimes we just let these relationships drift away. And, you know, these are examples that I'm using in the context of groups, even one-on-one relationships, we all grow and we shift and we change and we, and that's normal, that's healthy. And so one of the things that I really use, which is near and dear to my heart to try to navigate some of those shifts is this idea of patterns. And it really came to me. Um, I love my Angelo, by the way, but you know, I, I have a slight different spin on a quote that she, she uses, um, which is something to the effect of when people show up the first time believe them or something like that. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that quote, my first reaction was like, yes, absolutely. But then when I thought about it in the context of all of this research that I have around women and the complexity of who we are, you know, we're not always our best every day. So what I like to say to people is when somebody shows you who they are, pay attention. Mm -hmm that one moment doesn't always define who they are and what the relationship could be. And so it's really by examining the patterns of how people show up in our lives that we're able to figure out, is this relationship shifting, changing, worth keeping? And, you know, just to put a, a, a pin in this particular, uh, or to give you an example, you know, while I was writing the book, I had a friend of mine and there was something about our relationship that was shifting. And so like you said in your question, I was wondering, like, well, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's, you know, the relationship's coming to its natural end. And I was starting to pull away. And then this whole concept of patterns came up. And I thought about our relationship from the beginning of time to where we were today. And what I saw was consistency. They were always there. They were always supportive. They were always supportive of me, my children. They always celebrated with me. And so what I realized through examining the pattern of how the person had shown up in my life is that we were just going through an inflection and needed to have a conversation. And we talked about it and we figured out what was happening. And, you know, I think if I could leave one thing with your listeners, it's like resist the urge to make those kind of knee jerk reactions when somebody doesn't show up the way that we think they should. If you 
all of us have stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Well, so does the other person. And if we can just cut them some slack, look at the pattern. And by the way, patterns are both positive and negative. So sometimes the pattern says, actually, I need to pull, pull back and walk away. But those are just some of the things that I think about in terms of navigating those relationship shifts. Well, and you little radical you, you're talking about communication and conversations. <laughs> oh, my gosh, here in 2020. Really? I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'll, I'll tuck that snarky part of me back in. Uh, but really, for any relationship to work, we sometimes have to have conversations that are hard, right? Yeah, absolutely. They are. Most of us think of them as difficult conversations. They're things that we need to shy away from. In the book, um, I talk about this concept around necessary conversations, which is that conversations don't have to be difficult or hard. But if we care about the relationship, and sometimes it's a love kind of caring, and other times it's I need this Um, relationship to be productive. So it could be a more professional type relationship. But if you want your relationship to move forward in a way that doesn't introduce stress and friction into your life, then the conversation isn't difficult. It's just necessary. Right. And so thinking about the conversation from that perspective can actually help with the words that you choose. You know, I could attack you Or I could say, Arlene, this is something that I think is really important to both of us. And here's what I'm observing. What do we do about it? Because I want us to be able to work together more effectively or raise our children more effectively together. And it's, it's really kind of making that shift in your mind that says, I don't have to attack, but I want it to be better. And what words can I choose that just keep us moving forward? Absolutely. So that's a great, that, that's a fabulous mindset shift. I just had a moment there to not talk about difficult conversations, but necessary conversations. And if we have an, a relationship that we want to preserve or move forward with, or even if it's a relationship that's dissolving and we want to feel good that we had mutual respect, they're necessary conversations. Yeah. I love that. That's brilliant. You know, anytime we think of something as difficult, it kind of starts to trigger that stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And so if you can repress that stress hormone and say, listen, this doesn't have to be scary. It's just, I care about this person or I care about the situation. How can I frame it in a way that doesn't attack them, Mm -hmm. but allows us to, you know, and I have to do that all the time with my husband, right? Just, you know, <laughs> honey, <laughs> yeah, let's suck it up. <laughs> you know, just to kind of pull that frustration back and say, listen, I really just want to spend more time with you, right? Right. And, and let some of that negativity go. Right. Well, and if somebody were to approach me and say, okay, it's time to sit down and have a difficult conversation, I'm going to go and put my dukes up. And I, so I, I feel like they're coming at me and they're going to attack and I have to be defensive. A necessary conversation is a lot softer and it doesn't create that. Um, Same anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you about... Um, Have you, in your research, because I know you did a lot of original research as well as other people's research and combined that in the book and into your formula, were there any myths that you found about the way people perceive um, 
tribes and relationships? So I'll talk about one of the biggest myths that I cracked for me. And this is kind of a myth. It's, It's both true and false. So going in, as I shared with you earlier, I thought that a tribe was a group. When I put together a group of women, that is where I would find my connection. And to be honest, if I could just find that tribe, I would, you know, feel a sense of wholeness right? Because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that we can connect with, where we find belonging. And, you know, maybe at about, as I said, I have this group of friends we've been meeting for 20 years, and maybe at around 10, 12 years, I had an inflection and a shift in my career. Mm -hmm. And that pushed me into a space, an executive space where I had to navigate some things from a career perspective that I hadn't navigated before. Mm -hmm. And this particular tribe that I spent quite a bit of time with, they couldn't necessarily help me with all of the nuances of that shift. And so here I was, I belonged to this group and I experienced belonging but from a professional perspective, I was still lonely and I couldn't reconcile, like, why am I feeling this way? I know that I'm not alone. And so there is a story that I share in the book where the woman actually experienced something similar. And she said, what I've learned is that I need different types of groups and different types of people to complete my sense of wholeness. So if you think that you found a group or you have one girlfriend or a few girlfriends that are really close and that's all you need, your life, the tapestry of your life is so much more complex than one situation. And so we need multiple groups of people, which is where that whole mindset of how do I show up every day and how do I stay open to new relationships because we need more people than we think we do. So you're saying that we can be a member of a tribe and still feel lonely? Absolutely. Absolutely. So so what you're saying is that there may be still a part of us that needs yet another tribe to fill that space. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. And that was a big aha for me because I thought, you know, this group, we are so strong. I feel so connected and supported. When I started to feel that loneliness, it really surprised me. And so in this next season, as I've started to explore this idea of how do I be open? How do I show up differently um, in my relationships? That's when I've started to fill in some of those holes that existed for reasons that had nothing to do with the group. We were still healthy. Interesting. So, but that brings up a, a, an interesting point too, because when I think of tribes, I think about them, <laughs> the, what's going on on the outside. And there's been groups of people when I walk in, I feel, yeah, I don't know if I really belong here, or I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not whatever enough. Is there a room, is there room in your formula, or do you address this in the book about how I feel when I go into a tribe situation? So I'm so glad you went there, because now (laughs) you've taken me right into my formula. Oh, good. (laughs) Yay. Which is uh, (laughs) the formula for how we build healthy tribes, right? And Mm. what I've learned in this process is that I can't have healthy relationships unless my relationship with myself is healthy first. Ouch. So, sorry, (laughs) self-awareness, self-reflection, self care, um, 
the mindsets around your value, they are the foundation for you to have any type of positive relationship, not just with your female friends, even with your husband. When you walk into that room and those negative stories start to take over the narrative, that's when you have to really reflect, why is this happening? And so I think the first part of the formula is really to believe in your value. And if you think about the words value and you think about the word belief, just on the definition, value is utility, it's worth, it's importance. Mm -hmm. Belief by definition, and I love this, is a habit of the mind in which you instill confidence in a person or thing. Mm. So every single day that I get up, I have to have these mindset shifts that says, I'm going to build a habit of the mind in which I build trust and confidence in the fact that I have value, that I have utility, that I have worth in the world. And no one can take that from me. Now, there are people who may have, who may have similar gifts to us that are more mature, but we can grow we can learn new skills, we can get involved in new pursuits. And so we can add to what I call your, your gifts that you have to give to the world. Mm -hmm. But I think fundamentally, we all have to believe that we're here, we're here for a purpose, and that we matter. And I believe that from the bottom of my heart, that is what that whole belief in value piece is about. And so then Absolutely. once you believe in your value, you take that into your relationships. And so when you walk into that room, you could be thinking, hey, maybe they think I'm this or maybe I'm not good enough or you could have that narrative or maybe you could say, hey, what can I bring to this group and what can I add? And you're focusing more on what you can give than the negative the negative stories that you might be telling yourself. And so right. those are the first two parts of the formula. Believe in your value. Find belonging. And then this is where, for me, it really starts to get, get fun, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just staying there, use those two things almost like a springboard to just push you into this mindset of openness, which says, I have value. I found some places to belong and experience belonging because belong and belonging are different, right? You can belong to a group. Mm -hmm. Belonging is intimacy. So you have to put in some work to get right. to intimacy. But now that I have those two things, I can use it as a springboard to be open because, you know, if I go out and I experience rejection, it'll hurt. It'll sting. But hey, I have Arlene. That's right. Amen, <laughs> right? sister. I am here for you. That's right. I and so I don't have to be fearful. If it doesn't work, you're just not supposed to be part of my tribe. And that is okay. It's absolutely okay. And I think that it really, it, it shifts the mindset about rejection too, because instead of they rejected me because I'm not, it's that, you know, it just wasn't a good fit and rejection is okay because I rejected them quote unquote, because it wasn't a good fit. Um, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to be all things to all people. And, and sometimes it which is, was, which was another aha for me is that rejection isn't necessarily 
always rejection, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a capacity issue. Like, there's oh gosh, yes. Okay, <laughs> right? so you brought that up. So I have a question for you on that capacity issue. You know, you and I met at a national conference with you know hundreds and millions of billions of people. Well, probably not that many, but it felt like it sometimes. And you and I met there and, you know, I come home from those kinds of conferences and I have this stack of business cards that I set aside. And then a week or two later, I pick them up and I feel bad. I feel guilty because I didn't make the connections with the people and follow up the way I wanted to. But then I think, well, I just don't have the capacity to do that. And then I think, well, shame on me for not having that capacity. So, I mean, have you, first of all, have you ever felt that way? And what do you think about our, do we have a limited capacity for the number of tribes and friends and people we take into our life to create meaningful relationships with? So first things first, I absolutely have felt it, you know, <laughs> in my, in my prior life, I was um, the head of HR for a few different organizations. And so when you think about having hundreds of people all across the world, my inclination is to want to meet, connect, talk to all of them, right? Which is frankly not possible. And so I used to war with myself, like maybe you need to be putting in more time, maybe. Mm -hmm. you need, but the reality was between my job and the rest of my life, I physically only had so much capacity in order to take on new relationships with a sufficient amount of depth that I would feel comfortable with, right? And so I think part of this idea of openness is to recognize that we only have so much capacity. And that's going to vary depending on what's going on in your life. If you have two young, you know, two young kids or young kids, and they're consuming all of your time, you only have so much capacity to take on new relationships and you need to be realistic about that. I have a really great friend. She is absolutely phenomenal. She has three kids under the age of six. She has her in business. Wow. Um, and she's like, I just, I just want to do more. And I'm like, but you only have so much capacity. And so that's okay. So then the question becomes, if I only have so much capacity, well, what do I do with all of these new relationships? Right? So when I go to the conference and I meet all of these amazing people, what do I do? And so what I've done is I've literally just shifted my mindset that says you only have so much capacity while you're at the conference, just enjoy them. <laughs> and then you're going to have to leave them there. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe the timing is not right and they'll pop back up at the opportune time. Um, the key is just to enjoy folks where we find them and just to recognize and accept that sometimes we'll have to leave those relationships there because we don't have capacity. And if we really, really, really want it, then we're going to have to almost negotiate with ourselves to create the space to enjoy those relationships. Oh, and I love that because what that does is it takes, it becomes a control issue, <laughs> you know, control one way or the other, that I get to control where I spend my time and who I spend my time with. And you also have now given me permission to not try and develop a deep, meaningful relationship with everybody who hands me a business card. That's okay. Yeah. And I also think this is really important for women, right? Because when you find a group and you really click, 
then what happens is we tend to look at those groups and say, oh, they're just clicky and they're not accepting. Well, if you shift your mindset and say, well, actually, they only have so much capacity. And for that group to be successful and healthy, they have to invest time. It's Mm -hmm. less of, you know, you can think of it less in a negative light and you'll say, well, they're happy. Let me go and build my own. Right. Right. So it's kind of just shifting. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's obvious that you're brilliant and that you really know your topic. (laughs) And I'm so blessed and so grateful to have met you and to work with you. And so I know this book inside and out. As a matter of fact, I know this book so well that if I look behind you on the shelf, there's a little tiny copy of your book. Is that your book? That is my book. Yep. There. So, so tell me, tell me about the book. I, because to me, your book is a perfect blend of stories, your personal stories, as well as people in your tribe, research, both original research and research from other people and how it fits your topic. You have this fabulous formula, but not only the form, do you give us the formula, but you give us action steps and you give us things to think about and things to do that will help us to elevate the position of tribes in our lives or our impact on our tribes. So I just, I highly recommend that everybody go and get a copy of your book because there's something for everybody. You, you wrote the book for women, but as I said in the opening that if you know women, if you see women, if you are raising women, um, this book is for you. So I will stop gushing about your book and ask you to tell us a little bit about when it's going to launch and um, what we can expect to see from you about that. Before I answer that question, I just have to share one story, right? There's all kinds of stories in the book. Okay. But I, in my beta group, I have a really good guy friend who's raising two teenage daughters. Mm. And I asked him, I said, hey, could you just read this book for me? And he called me a few days later and he said, I started your book. He said, I will be finishing your book because my daughters so need this. And so this is a book that I believe is really for women and anyone that is supportive, or as you said, has to navigate the world of women, right? But anyway, mm-hmm. that was just really cool that I would have a dad call me up and say, this is already making a difference for well, that's how a perfect, I yeah. think about helping my daughters. So that that's was That's a perfect cool. example, because if we become more conscious of these biases or myths or other issues that we are putting out in the world and we can change our mindset and shift the mindset of the girls we're bringing up behind us how much better how much easier might their lives be I just I I I just have to believe that they absolutely would be and that is such a huge kind of theme that I want people to take away as they I, I talk about it at the end of the book Um, that the way that we show up, the way that we connect, the way we talk about other women, the way that we interact with other women, my research shows that it actually has a tremendous impact on how young girls perceive female relationships. And so this process of writing the book and shifting my own mindset has made me be very conscious about what I say Mm -hmm. about other women in front of my daughter, Mm -hmm. even if you know, maybe they deserve (laughs) some of what I might be thinking. Yeah. 
either not saying anything or putting it into contact for my daughter is just a thing that I, I really try to practice. And sometimes it's as simple as, you know, we're in a room and watching TV and somebody says, oh, she's so fat, you know, whatever it is. And I was like, that's really not kind. That's rude, yeah. You know, it's, it's, so it's really just encouraging her to be thoughtful and to set a better example. Exactly. So, sorry, I, I rambled on. You asked No, me that's great. Book. Well, but that's a, an, another reason why people need to buy your book, because there's no way in this hour together that we can cover, you know, a tenth of your brilliance and the wisdom that you put out in the book. And the way your book is written, it's not a just sit down and read it cover to cover. It's as our lives change, as our relationships change and our need to navigate life differently. This book is something people can pick up time and time time and time again, right? <laughs> so the, I not only do I believe that I will share with you that I wrote, I finished the book maybe about six months ago. And so now, you know, as I'm preparing to launch, I'm picking it up and reading it again. And it's teaching me. And so and I and I wrote it. <laughs> so I think as we grow and we change, absolutely, re- relationships are not static. There are many inflection points that we'll experience. And so really having almost like a toolkit to go back and say, hey, how should I think about this again? Or what can I do? Um, that's what I hope to, to give to the world with this book. Well, and I, and I think you absolutely did do that. So now we've teased everybody and they're so excited. They want to buy your book. <laughs> Tell us about your, when is it launching and how can they connect with you to be a part of this excitement? So thank you for asking. The book launches on December 1st. So Yay. just in a couple of days, like it's it's coming very, very quickly. So December 1st. And if they are interested, they can go to my website, www.assemblethetribe.com. That will take you right into the book page. And you can download the intro and the first chapter for free. So you can kind of get a feel for what the book's all Mm -hmm. about. And then I also really want people to have some tools, right? The book is a tool, but on the site, I have another tool, which is a free tribe health assessment. It's like, I have a, I have a big assessment that, you know, I'll use later on, but on the site, I have a, a tri, a mini tribe health assessment where you can really go and start to think about what's my tribe status. How am I believing belonging and being different in my relationships every day? And that's free right there on the site for everybody. So www.assemblethetribe.com check out the book page. And then if you click on events, I would welcome everyone to join me for my virtual launch event on the evening of December 1st. It'll be at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And there'll be lots of fun interviews and giveaways and contests. And um, it's going to be fun and support another woman in launching their book to bestseller status. Just saying. (laughs) So, Okay, so it's no secret I'm a book writing business coach. And what I do is coach people to write a book so that it is a part of your business toolbox. So in writing this book, you you stepped out of the corporate world and used that expertise to write this book. But from this book, what other aspects are you or services, programs are you building to build your business? So I started, just as part of the writing the book, I started an organization which I would 
frame as a women's personal and professional development company. And so I offer coaching services and I have a whole coaching page. I also offer speaking services. So I would like to get out and tell as many people as possible about this mindset shift and how we can assemble our tribes. And sometimes it's the tribes that we form in our personal lives, but we also have tribes at work. And I've spent over 20 years working in HR at both executive and board levels. And so I think that there's support and help that I can offer for organizations who want to shift their mindset there. And hopefully next year, I'll be rolling out a couple of um, programs that are unique to the Assemble the Tribe brand. So, Mm -hmm. but, you know, still working on all of those details. But for now, I'd love to work with people um, one-on-one for coaching and, you know, have me come and speak to your, your group. I'd be happy to do that. Absolutely. And you wrote your book and it was something that just came to you. You saw a need, you matched it with your expertise and you sat down and you wrote this book. And I've got to tell you and, and everybody who's listening that you were one of the most organized, professional, (laughs) creative, heartfelt people I've ever met. So if you're out there and you want to have that package to come and help advance your personal or professional development or your groups, I highly recommend that you get a hold of Leah. So give us the website again, please. It's www.assemblethetribe.com. That will take you into my book page, but then you can also explore other parts of my personal site and learn about my services and I have all kinds of information um, about what I do and, and, and why I do it. So just check it out, www.assemblethetribe.com. So any social media that you can direct people to so they can connect with you on a more intimate, personal relationship basis? Absolutely. I am on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. My handle is Leah J M Dean. Leah J M Dean. The J is for Julie. That's my mom's name. Michelle is, well, she just said it sounded great. So she threw it in there. So Leah, Julie, Michelle Dean, Leah J M Dean. That's my handle on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Awesome. Come hang out. Yes. Come hang out. Come hang out. Um, Indeed, you will get so much. So I want to kind of shift a little bit now that we've talked about your expertise in your book. I want to turn this a little bit more personal. And, you know, I love this part of my program. (laughs) This is my um, my hot seat segment. And I love putting my guests on the hot seat. So you're a special guest. So you get a special hot seat. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. So Maybe that's why my alarm just went off. It was like my <laughs> notification that it was about to get hot. <laughs> there you go. See, you're so smart. You said it just on to- in on time. So let's talk about mindset. You are having great success. You have amassed great success all of your life, and you're using it in a different way now. Can you think of one mindset that you had? in your life that could have kept you from achieving this success? What was that mindset that you had to shift to be able to get to where you are today with, you know, a launching book and a whole launching new career? The biggest mindset shift, it really ties into that whole idea I was sharing earlier about belief in your value. 
Um, you said when, when you described me that I'm one of the most organized people that you know. Well, I've been organized since I was a child. <laughs> My mom will tell you, she, I was her first um, employee and I organized all of her, but she had a, um, like a summer camp program. I would organize all the schedules, all the kids, like, and I was maybe 12. So I've always been really good at organizing things. But as you kind of get a little bit older, you, you don't want to be the best organizer, right? Mm. You want to be maybe the funniest or the fastest, like whatever it is. And at one point I started to think, hey, there's actually something wrong with me. Like maybe I'm just a workaholic. Like who, who wants to be the best organizer? And when I started to shift my mindset and say, Leah, don't think of this as something that doesn't have value. What can you organize? What can you, how can you bring people together in a way that changes lives? And I think that I am naturally gifted to assemble tribes and bring people together. And so when I made that one shift for myself, like that literally changed my whole life. And it was, it really came from accepting my own gifts for what they are. And, you know, I often think that we, we might miss out on all of the, the gifts that we have and the, that mm -hmm. we can share with the world because we're too busy pursuing the gifts, strengths, and talents of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Do you, just do you. Just do you. So that's my mindset shift. Cool. So other than the just do you, what one golden nugget, what one thing about tribes can you leave listeners with that they can actually apply today to move them in a positive direction in the way they navigate life? I know that's hard. One thing. Just one thing one from thing. the whole book. Uh, Ooh, tribes are not at its highest level as a mindset how you navigate life and how you enjoy and experience relationships starts here. Mm. That's what I can tell you. It starts here. So every day, if you wake up and say, I'm going to enjoy my relationships, I'm going to take my best self. I'm going to be kinder, more thoughtful. Like we can literally change the world. Mm -hmm. And then if you take that mindset and you teach it to your children, then there is even more hope for the next generation. Absolutely. And I love it because I'm going to, I'm, I may be stating the obvious, but before you even get out of bed in the morning, the things that you say to yourself about how you, the things you believe about yourself, how you find belonging, hmm, this is starting to sound like a great formula. <laughs> you know, well done, well done. You know, those things set you up for the whole day, for the whole, I mean, people cannot make you think less of yourself only you can do that so when you believe and belong and then go out into the world to be different I, I absolutely agree with you there is no limit to how how much better we are all going to be able to navigate and feel about ourselves and the world in general I guess yeah I found it incredibly freeing and I if something doesn't work out, it kind of just rolls off me now, or I will go and have a conversation to see if I can make it work. But I know who I am. I know who loves me. I know the people that are prepared to invest in me. And I am going to leverage that to just show up differently with everybody that I come into contact with. Um, not perfect, but that's the goal. 
that's the goal. Well, and, and you and I have had some real, some necessary conversations based on what's <laughs> happening in the world. And yeah. they could have been difficult, but I think that it deepened our relationships because you took the fear out of having those necessary conversations. And because of that, I've experienced a shift in understanding a variety of issues. And so that's my hope for the world. And I absolutely positively from the bottom of my heart know that your book, Leah Dean, Leah J.M. Dean, did I get the initials right? You got it right. You got it right. <laughs> Leah J.M. Dean, Assemble the Tribe, is absolutely the next step that you and I and our countries are cousins, nieces, wives, husbands, everybody needs this book. So I encourage you on December 1st to go and find this book. So I'm going to stop because you're going to bring me to tears here in a minute. So I'm I'm a little teary eyed myself. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just have to thank you so much. I know you're very, very busy. And I just want to thank you for spending your time and sharing your expertise with us today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I think this idea about mindset shifts and which is kind of the foundation of your show, I think it's such an important concept. And I'm I'm really hoping that your listeners will go on this mind shift journey with us as we try to think about how we assemble and create our tribes in a whole new way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, thank you, Leah. So I'm going to leave you today with this, these thoughts, my, my listeners, Until next time, be mindful of the stories that you tell yourself about what is or is not possible for you. Don't let anyone else dictate your story. Only you have the power to choose to master your own success, whatever that looks like or means to you. And when you're ready to write your book, get a hold of me. Go to my website, bookwritingbusiness.com. for joining Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale, the expert in helping people write business building books. Join us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on BBS Radio when we'll talk more about how mindsets help or hinder success mastery. Please visit bookwritingbusiness.com to get more information on writing your professional or personal story.